Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Welcome everyone. It's awesome to be here. Awesome to be here. Let me quickly pray. Lord, we just stop at this moment and just take our thoughts, our emotions, even our bodies, Lord, and and, and we just present it to you. We are yours. We just leave every Think about this week that has been distracting us, Lord, everything relationally, maybe financially, that has caused us to be upside down in our inner man. We just put it aside as we turn our face to you, Lord, and to feed on what is sweet and life-giving. And so it will overflow to dry areas in our lives that we know. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added. And so here we are, Lord, laying aside every weight, laying aside every distraction, face to face. Feed us with life. We come to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's do this. Encountering the risen Jesus. Um, it's, it's incredible to live in a country as ours because we can open a church in any town in this country and, uh, and you'll be allowed to do it. That's great. Uh, it's not so great. What happened earlier today is we have a mission team in Sri Lanka, um, Shafa Cape Town, and two churches were bombed. And they were within two kilometers in other churches ministering at the moment. So the reality is that we are very blessed. We're very blessed, okay? Uh, today we could have lost 10 shofar missionaries. Regular, many women like you guys that goes on missions. If they were in those buildings, glory to God. That's a hard thing to say, amen? But when he comes to get you, while you are busy with his work, I think it's a good place. But God spared them, so they'll go again next year. All right. (laughs) But here we are. Um, We're free. That's really, really amazing. Though it poses a leadership challenge. And the leadership challenge is the very thing that Danelle spoke about on stage and Brown, is that we can become so used to the terms and the conditions of our faith, the things we do, is that we actually lose the wonder of it. That's, that's our great challenge. Uh, for example, we will drive past a dead dog next to the road. I hate seeing that. Who hates seeing a dead animal? Okay. And we talk about the death of Christ while we eat food and feast. There's nothing wrong with it. We celebrate it in one way. 
But let me tell you what, the, the reason it bothers you to see a dead dog is because there's something in us yearning to be restored to the place where we will be one day, where there will be no more death. So something in us protests to death. That's why it's very hard to see a human being lying next to the road or even to say goodbye to one of your own people. A mom and dad. Okay? It's heartbreaking because we actually do break in our spirits. We, something in us say, no, when will this stop and there will be a day? But there's one thing you and I have never seen in our lives. We've never seen... Uh, doctrinally, I'm just going to sh shake your box. We've never seen an innocent man suffer. Ever. You might have not been innocent, uh, 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 guilty in that one case, but you're still guilty as a human being for God. You have sin, right? We've never seen the purest of pure being treated unrighteously because in a sense, everything that comes against us we can't say we don't deserve it, right? If we deserve anything, it's because we stand on the blood of Christ. It's the only way. Yet the purest of pure, the only innocent person to ever walk this earth was put on a cross for you. Knowing what we know about Jesus, if we were to behold that, it would break us to pieces to see absolute innocence treated that way for you how will you worship if you can remember that how will you respond it's not going to be you know as a kerk to go it's the whole school like a song it's not going to be like that it's going to be way deeper it's going to be in your spirit all right and, and, and that's where we're heading tonight, encountering the risen Christ, knowing these things. Can we fully understand? No. No. We can't fully understand. There's a cool theological saying, we can truly understand. We know the truth. We know he was innocent. And we know, we truly know it was hard on the cross, but we can't fully fathom. Like, okay, it was hard, but how hard? We're not sure. All right? But he did it for us. And encountering him in your life today in Sukuna, how would that look like? Um, just, just read with me. Sit back. It's uh, 20 odd verses. And let's uh, share this scripture together. We're going to read about the Apostle Paul and what happens as he encounters the living Christ. All right. Uh, maybe let me just give some background. Um, uh, I didn't read the Bible before I gave my heart to, to God. So if there's some of you here new in the faith are still searching, I don't, we don't assume you know these things. This man, Saul, um, was brought up in the religious, you can say in the religious universities of its time. Okay, The man knew uh, probably uh, most of the Psalms, most of um, the Old Testament. He would start to be uh, uh, at this age probably memorizing some of the minor prophet books. That's the last few books of the Old Testament. In his training to be a religious leader. Um, before he meets Jesus, he doesn't recognize this is the Son of God. And so anyone that worships and follows Jesus, he's against them to take them captive, put them in prison, or even kill them. It's literally what he's doing. And he believes with everything in him that he's serving God while doing it. So at this moment, they just, you know, it's amazing how shallow our faith can often get on social media. 
you know, sometimes people die while they do the right thing. Did you know that? Uh, we see these things going around. If I just trust in God, everything will be okay. Uh, depends on what you mean with that. Because one day you will die. <laughs> it will be okay if you meant I'm walking into eternity. Amen? If it means I believe in God, so everything that's tough in my life will disappear, you're going to get a reality check in about a day. Okay? <laughs> All right? Where was I? Oh, so this man, Stephen, speaks the gospel to the people. In the will of God, doing the work of God. Incredible man. He says, this is Jesus. He died for your sin. You know, we know people like that. They you know they're the good people. What did the crowd do? Throws him of stone. Kills him. He looks up. Scripture speaks metaphorically of Jesus. says he's seated at the right hand of God. When Stephen looks up, he sees Jesus standing in heaven, looking. It was the last thing he saw. Died that day. Paul was there keeping the clothes of the people, probably instigating the whole thing. This is a man we're about to read. Let's do it together. Acts chapter 9 verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats, still, it's just, just behind the whole Stephen episode, and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, so the early Christians were called the way. Okay? At that stage, they weren't called Christians as often. But Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so they didn't have a name. So many would refer to them as the way. All right. Uh, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So now he's got a letter, he's got authority to capture those who love Jesus, the people like you and me, and bring them to prison. That's where he's at. So he's on his way to Damascus. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. We're just going to take a few notes on the way. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I want to persecute you. I'm just going to go get some people that's in the synagogues. What is Jesus saying? Fill this up. A sin against the church is a sin against Let's try again. A sin against the church is a sin against God, Jesus. So I'm fine with that. It's his pride. It's his pride. Well, just a note for us that calls this place home. Let's regularly visit our hearts against the church. Let's regularly see how God is leading us and wanting us to do because our lives, as we, as we live it, Amongst God's people, we're living it unto him. Okay? Let's make just a note. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. They led him by the hand, the mighty Saul, <laughs> and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now I thought about this. I just thought, I don't think Paul likes eating stuff that he can't see. 
Okay. So while he was blind, they didn't eat. Maybe they feed him, you know, offal. I won't eat. That's the film means of what puts me in my back. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him, in a vision, listen up. Now, the story changes. The Bible is amazing. This is better than movies. It's just changed. It's not cool. Different character. You just saw Saul walking into town. Here's Ananias. Different, different place. Uh, same town. And the Lord said to him, in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. The man knows the voice of God. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he's praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias, which is God, God is now speaking to him, come in and lay his hands on him that he might regain his sight and then he'll eat again, I guess. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. Wow. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Okay, we don't put that on Instagram, right? Follow Jesus and then he'll show you how much you must suffer for him. Like, like, no, unlike, delete. Okay. <laughs> So don't be so negative, <laughs> people would say. <laughs> let's go on, let's go on. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, after God has spoken to him, listen to his vocabulary, brother Saul. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales from, from his, fall from his eyes, and he regained his sight. He rose and was baptized. Okay? And taking food, he was strengthened. And for some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Amazing how quickly your friends become enemies. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. And these, these men are afraid of him. I mean, this is like, this is Freddy Krueger coming, coming into the door. I mean, he literally is a killer of those who follow Christ. And so 
you know, I don't know if how they greeted them at the door. Or, you know, they must have been overcome with, with a lot of fear. But praise God for a Barnabas. There's those type of people in this church also. They, they'll bring in the rough ones. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in, now he went in, and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. I mean, I can just stop there. That, if you read that slow, it's a sermon. Listen, I made a few jokes about uh, sometimes Christians suffer as well. Let me just say this. Scripture is very clear. The sun shines on everyone, and sometimes when bad things happen, it includes Christians and non-Christians. What the Word promises us, I'm just going to derail myself for a moment. In Romans 8, every difficult time you go through, and you will face them, okay? He will never leave you, and he will cause you to conquer, not apart from the difficult circumstance, but through it, and on the other side, you'll be different. You'll be different. Okay, when we don't know him, our circumstances slaps us until we are weak. And so what happens is we experience loneliness, depression, what if? What is wrong with me? And that's the plan of the enemy. When the believer goes through a difficult time and he holds on to those around him and to God, as he goes through, he comes out on the other side, Lord, you never left me. Now I know. Okay, that, that's the difference. That's the blessing is going through difficult times with God. That is the reward. Okay, And just on the side, Certain hard things on your life will disappear when you repent because you brought it on yourself. Okay? Uh, for example, if you use a substance you should not be using and it's affecting your health, often when you repent, turn to God, your health becomes better because you're not, you understand, you are inflicting that on yourself. But even with your heart towards God, I just want to say there's nothing wrong with you if you go through a difficult time. Okay, it's not that God has left you. He's not punishing you, all right? He's training you. Amen? And scripture also says when, you, when we go through difficult times, we can comfort others from a new depth of perspective. God is training us. Amen? Okay, let's, let's, let's get here. We're going to land on three points tonight. I want to start talking about this idea of the breath of Paul. In Acts 9 verse 1, it says, but Paul's still breathing threats. How's that? Breathing threats. Just to have a, enjoy having a me mental image of that. He's breathing threats and murder against the disciples. Okay. That's where he's at. But now he encounters Jesus. We just read the story. And I'm just going to fast forward. If we go to that next slide, it says, And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, 
And he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. So he was obedient, except Jesus, be baptized. Case closed. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus. Moments ago, actually maybe four or five days ago, he was breathing one thing. Then he encounters Christ, steps into obedience, and out of his soul, out of his breath, comes something different. The gospel. And he changes this man from breathing threats to breathing life on people. That's what happens when you encounter the risen Christ. So the first thing for tonight is our breath, which is rebellious against God, turns to wonder-filled praise. Okay, when we meet Jesus. Now, I just want to park here for a while. This is difficult theology, but don't lose me here. You need to understand that you need to make a decision for Jesus in your life. What you also need to understand is if you made that decision already, maybe last week, maybe this morning, maybe afterwards, maybe a month ago, you need to understand that before that time, you were rebellious against God. You need to, understand, you need to get that. If you, maybe you view yourself as a person, I wasn't really engaged and I didn't really hurt people. You know, I was just, don't get a false idea of where your spirit is at before you meet Christ. It is in rebellion against God. It's very important that we know this, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll explain this to you, but before I do that, before I do that, quickly turn to the person next to you and ask them, what is the greatest sin a person can commit? Go for it. What is the greatest sin a person can commit? Okay, it's a little bit of a trick question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play with a few thoughts around theology, but I'm not going to enter them all very deep. But if, I, if it causes you to think, that's great. Let, let me ask you this. What is the greatest commandment? Can I ask you again, what's the greatest sin? Not to be in love with God. What is the greatest commandment? Jesus did not say don't sleep around. Don't use drugs. Don't be a bad person. He said, you love me with every faculty you have. Mind, soul, body. You bring it to me in love. Neglecting to do that is committing the greatest sin. The sin from which Every other sin gets born. You don't experience the love of God. You don't know how to love your wife. See that? You don't experience the forgiveness of Jesus. You cannot forgive your co-worker. So you murmur about him. 
maybe swear at him. You could say swear is a sin. I get you. It didn't start there. It starts with not loving God. Are you with me? We're starting somewhere. Now, is all sin, just turn to the person next to you, let's have a chat tonight, is it okay? Is there certain sins that's more grievous or bigger than others? Let's go. Who thinks this is a hard question? <laughs> okay, now I'm not going to answer it in full, but I'm going to give you handles on this. All sins are not the same. In one way they're not, in a different way they are. And sometimes people are thinking about the one conversation and applying to the other. When Jesus said, and we spoke about it in our church, and we'll do it every year, when Jesus said, do not be angry, because he says, you've heard it say, don't murder. I tell you, don't be angry. It's not because they're the same. What he's saying, as a spiritual person, you must know, spiritual things grow. So anger, when it's fully grown, grows into, on the other side, murder. In between, it's, it's, it's words, it's cold shoulder, it's, it's manipulation of your marriage pot. It grows, it grows, it grows. And people do kill one another as well. What Jesus is saying, this thing starts here. It's not the same. When you experience anger, it's not like you've committed murder, all right? You experience, you say, Lord, whoa, I don't want to end up there. Okay, there is a difference. There is a difference between looking lustfully at a woman and committing adultery. There's a difference. Because the moment you experience lust, you can turn. Once you've committed adultery, it's more difficult to turn. There's a difference. Are you with me? So in one sense, all sins are not the same. They can be stopped by the Holy Spirit. And that's why we are here to be there for one another. So when that little thing comes out, we can say, hey, can I just pray for you? Or pray for me. The last week, this is what I'm just so mad. I'm so frustrated. I'm, pray for me because you know what? This is going to end up with me verbally assaulting someone. Okay. All right. All sin are not the same. But in a different way, they are the same because there's only one price for all sin. There's one price for all sins. And so I understand why people say sin is sin, they're all the same. They're not the same, but there's one man given for the sin of all. Whether you've been a murderer or adulterer and a drug addict, everything there, or you did not love him. You're both galaxies apart. Galaxies, galaxies. You, you are much closer to, if, if you think you're a good person, but you don't worship him, you're much, 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 much closer. We can't draw it in here. To a person that lives an outright, visible life, let's a murderer and a rapist. You're closer to that person than what you are to Christ. You have to understand that. You are galaxies away. So the price is the same. Okay? So this is, a, this is a typical junk box, the stuff you find around my home. Okay? 
What is this? I told Chris, if you're on the setup team and you need wires, I don't know, you could probably tow a, tow a Land Rover with these. But, um, <laughs> but imagine this is your sin. This. Now, this is maybe hard. Don't tell anyone, but what's in here? Just think for a moment. If you know Jesus and you did some terrible things in the past, maybe you're still struggling with some of those things. He's busy with you. Amen? You're on a journey. Just put it in here for a moment. Some sins are big, in, especially in human. You know, you, today you, you do certain things. You know, you're a sinner and everyone in the media knows it. But there's other things that's worse, but no one knows about it because it's in your heart. So it's very hard to gauge on public opinion what's big and what's small. But, but here's your sin. The question is not, what have you done? The question is, who's going to pay for this? Because the box is not as small as this one here. If you end up with your own sin, and it's too late, you will pay for eternity. I'm sorry, it's the gospel. You will pay because you can never pay the debt. All right? So whether you're just kind of an angry guy every now and then, but you refuse to worship God, or whether, I don't know, the druggy rapist, okay? End up, the box is the same. That way it's the same. You will pay. Someone's going to pay for this. It's either you or Jesus who's willing to take this from you and give you eternal life. But you know what the enemy loves you to do? They want you to make other people around you pay for this junk. Now it's my wife's fault. She's the one that makes me like this. No, it's not your wife. You just want to be mad because you know if you go to Jesus, he's going to tell you to love those people. You don't want to. So you want to remain angry, amen? America. <laughs> the question is not what have you done in the past. The question is who's going to pay for this? What we are on tonight is you need to know and understand how far you are from God in order to worship him truly and deeply. Or he will just be, it's like a Christian, it's all right. I'll do a bit better with a bit honesty. All right. The difference between that and being overwhelmed. Danel tonight crying while she's singing the last uh, uh, verse. You, you guys didn't even notice. Because at times it just needs to overwhelm you. What has been taken from you and what has been given to you. Isn't that incredible? All we like sheep have gone astray. Listen up. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him. The Lord has laid on him. What was mine? Placed it on him. You have to visualize that. What does that mean for you? Why do people raise their hands when they worship? Do you understand? They overcome. They don't know what else to do with it. But they can't do this. <laughs> All right? And, he and, he and are justified by grace as a gift through the redemption 
that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, which means an appeasement. You were standing there with your stuff, and then God puts him forward. There's many ways the scripture uh, illustrates this. It was laid on him, and he was put forward in your place. Now, when you see your sin for what it is, you think that man's got worse sin. But you're both committing the greatest one. You're not loving. I'm saying you, you, you please follow me. I'm, I'm just talking through the doctrine. I'm not saying you, okay? You're both on the other side of a greatest commandment, loving God. Galaxies apart. Galaxies, galaxies. And here's the thing. I heard, I think I was in primary school, I heard this saying, I'll never forget it. The saddest way to hell is through church. Okay? Yeah, this guy is kind of good. This man here on this side has committed every sin imaginable, even to children, because it happens. And then tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, takes his box and takes it and he puts it on Christ. And you in your pride don't even notice that you are still galaxies away and this man has been transferred out of darkness into light. And people still call him a murderer and all those names. Don't know what just happened. That's not to say the sin was small. What it is saying is how great is his love and his mercy. Why do we sing at church? Why do we say, oh, praise the name? Thoughts like these that, that carries us to worship. Are you with me tonight? How can that be? How can I be forgiven? Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And check those words. Having said this, he breathed. Is lost. He didn't get off the cross. He said, no one takes my life from me. I give it. So until his last breath, he stayed there so that everything can be laid on him. What that means is while you still have breath, you can call on his name. While you still have breath, call on his name. He gave his very last that you may call on his name. When this is grasped, this is what you get. We're back to that slide, number one. Our breath, which is rebellious against God, do you see that now? Turns to wonder-filled praise. Isn't that incredible? That's what happened to Paul. And we see Paul in the letters, even after doing incredible work, he'll write and he'll say something like this, I am the chief of sinners, the worst of them all. And because he knows that, he grasps something about the grace of Christ and he's running on an engine like none other. The deeper your revelation of your sin, the greater your understanding of his grace it has to cover it. Amen? Let's go on. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples and they were all afraid of him. That's like when Brown came to church. You said it this morning, so I'm 
So the first time he, he tells a man, so Brown, um, yeah, you can tell the, your testimony one time, but let me just say, if you had a, a post bus um, 10 years ago, probably didn't have, have one anymore, you know, when Brown and his friends came past, or, you know, uh, exposed windows, in, in big trouble. Uh, but Brown was smoking stuff he shouldn't be smoking. He'll, he'll tell the testimony himself. But when he came to Christ, people couldn't believe it. They still don't. I see sometimes when he's got the mic in front, people are shocked. They're like, what's going on? And the one guy said, when Brown told him about, he got baptized, he said, Ospoti, ospoti <laughs> and, and that's great. Because it, it means someone was transferred out of darkness into light. Isn't that incredible? That's incredible. And uh, just, um, Brown, just to honor you, when Brown came to church, uh, he, was, he was saved already, but I've never seen a young man as hungry for the fullness of God. And I've seen many people casually deal with the grace of God. Incredible. Let us learn. And him who has ears here, him who has eyes see. They were afraid of him. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Who spoke to him. Okay? Let me tell you something. There will always be someone in a faith community that God prepares to receive you. You know, the man that led me to Christ back then, he was a very odd fellow. He had the weirdest bucket. It looked like a police van, okay? And, and, and then his car, he was a student. His car would stop without petrol, and people would laugh at him. You know, he'd, and then he just walk the rest of the time, and the bucket will be there. It's just funny, but he, he's a man God used to bring me in. A man that couldn't afford a tank of petrol. Now, they may not look or be the person that you in your mind have being your best friend. But don't be full of pride. Open your heart. Someone is willing to bring you in to the faith, take you by the hand. When other people may be rushing past you, they are there. Isn't that incredible? Check the length God goes to. He speaks to a man, Ananias. He says, the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight and at the house of Judas. Look for a man named Saul, for behold, he's praying. And he is seen in a vision. So God is, God is now speaking to Ananias, but he refers to the fact that he also spoke to Saul. Can you see that? And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done. And here he has authority. The Lord says, I have chosen him. God speaks to two people supernaturally to bring one man into the family. To what lengths will he go? And I know in a big way I'm preaching to the choir. So for a lot of you, I want to say, are you Ananias? Are you not Barnabas? Are you not supposed to just reach your hand out? Because there's someone asking, wanting to come in. Both, both sides, okay? Just 
have your heart open. And then Ananias, after God has spoken to him, he says, Brother Saul, welcome home. Incredible. Second thing, after he changes you in the depth of your heart and your breath turns to praise, his people, where you did not fit in your own mind, becomes your beloved family. It's within five days. He didn't pray two years about a church. Okay, It's within five days. He's pressing into the faith community. And so I want to encourage a few people here tonight. Most of us have been a... Well, I've seen a lot of you around here for a while. I don't always know what's in your heart, what's going on, the difficult things you're going through. We're praying for you guys, by the way. There's also a lot of new people. And maybe you feel like Paul, you hear, there's a gap. And then there's the idea of a community of faith, and it scares you. You don't know how to cross that gap. Let me tell you what, God is preparing people to help you. And he's preparing you. All right? But what you need to understand is the first four people you bump into might not be Barnabas. They might be on the way on a draad to suk, okay? So they... So, you know in the dark, you know, when you, you have your lumpy and plug over the eyes, you're trying to get your lamp going, but it's dark, and you, you've got your three-point plug, but you're like, eh, miss, eh, miss. Then you've got your finger, and like, oops. And then at the end, you, you, who knows what I'm talking about? It's only me, okay? And sometimes the process... The process is a little bit the same. You have to apply your posture. I will find my place. I will not give up. And sometimes after the third, the fourth try, you know when that plug goes in, it's just light. And then lesons, poppy. God is at work. Amen. So Jesus, look at this, Jesus suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his blood. The idea was that Jesus had to walk out of a town to die. He was alone. His friends deserted him. Because he was deserted and cut off from community, he paid that price. You may have community. That's how it works. He brings you in. Look at those words, that last sentence in the second verse. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know why? So that you never have to be forsaken again in your life. All right? Last point, let's go on. But the Lord said to him, can you still hear me at the back with a rain? Chanel, you guys can hear me. Awesome. But the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name. So that's what we call looking prophetically at a person. Okay? It means while they are still in sin, you are able, God awakes something in you to see what they can be, and you start praying them into it. This man has done nothing for God except murdering people. Okay? He says, he is my chosen 
I'm going to use him. And immediately, same chapter, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he's the son of God. Now, there's, follow, follow the growth pattern. The first thing that happens, that Acts 9.15, God says, he's my chosen instrument. That's the first thing that will happen in your life. I'm telling you now, you are God's workman, workmanship. He made you. You are his instrument. At this moment, maybe you're being used, maybe not. But hear me. You are an instrument. Number two, immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he's the son of God. That's not the book of Romans yet, which he also wrote, which is the deepest theology you'll probably find on God bringing us to himself. Okay? Where does he start? This man is the son of God. That's where he starts. Simple. Maybe for some of you, hey, I'm not sure about the words, but come to church with me. That's testimony. That's you being used. Then, number three, but Paul increased all the more in strength. Okay? The Afrikaans say, it's sterker geraak in sy prediking. It's saying he's growing now. The man started to grow. Right? And then in Romans 1 verse 1, it says, Paul, look at the difference. A servant of Christ called to be an apostle. Now I know what I am to do. I'm not only do I know I am a kind of instrument. I'm called to be an apostle and evangelist to the Gentiles. I'm going to those who's outside of the house of Israel. He gets clarity, but he walks through the growing process. God says it. He gets up, he starts, he grows, and then he knows. All right? So it doesn't matter where you are. Maybe tonight you want to commit your heart to God or think about it. Maybe you just around here where you're turning to God. I'm saying there's a journey to walk and it's incredible. Incredible. But you have to start. Number three. You enter the mission field next to Jesus, your Savior and your life. That's what happens when we encounter the risen Jesus. We don't go through motions. We, we change. <laughs> Stuff change radically in us. People talk about Jesus, we get emotional. Maybe you cry. You hear a certain song that lifts him up and you get emotional because you're busy changing. He's busy with you, all right? John 10 verse 16, we're almost done. And I have other sheep, listen Paul, okay, listen Saul, listen all of you, that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. I'm going to call them, he says, and they will hear like, like Saul on the road. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up. This charge I have received from the Father. And so the reason I have this on here is when we go to do stuff for God too quickly, we, know we see people do stuff here. We want you to help, all right? We want you to get involved. But I want you to do it from a place of worship. And what it means is, I, for example, typically you'll have a scripture like this open in your hand. You'll say, Holy Spirit, show me what this means. And you read something like, 
Peter, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them. You know what your goal is. You know. You know what you have to do. And then he says, I lay down my life that I may take it up. And I know I'm a disciple, so I know what I must do. There's going to be a sense of laying down. Lord, which area? Where do you want me to help? And from that place, he starts to use us. Number one, our breath, which is rebellious, okay? Galaxies apart, against God, turns wonderfully to praise. His people, where you did not fit, becomes your beloved family. You enter the mission field next to Jesus, your Savior and your life. If you look at that, you'll see, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. That's a great commandment, great commission. You'll see, enter the mission field, go and make disciples. Love God, love people, reach the world. That's what happens when we encounter the risen Christ. Amen.